And once again, welcome back to Moving Forward with Young Voices here on the Fed by Ravens Media Network. We are pleased to welcome Young Voices contributor Sean Michael Pigeon. And uh, Sean, tell us just a little bit about yourself for people who are meeting you for the very first time via this program. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. Um, my name is Sean Michael. I am uh, recently graduated from Yale University with a BA in political science. Um, I'm currently the College Fix Fellow at National Review, and um, I'm also a contributor to Young Voices. So thanks so much for having me on. I'm glad that we have you on today because uh, you and I are going to talk about uh, a a subject I've been hearing a lot about, but I'm really anxious to get your take. Uh, The headline of the article that you had published in the Daily Signal, Biden's infrastructure bill isn't really about building roads and bridges. And, you know, there's been a lot of spending going on here over the last year. But that infrastructure bill, um, what's what's the total? It's is it two trillion or close uh, to it? It's close to two trillion. So it was originally something pushing to two point two trillion. And after the Republicans um, balked at such a high offer, uh, President Biden came back with a one point seven trillion dollar infrastructure package, which oh. is what it is currently at. Well, that's so, much, much more reasonable, much more reasonable. Um <laughs> I believe the Republicans were looking at something like 500 million, so they decided to meet at 1.7 trillion. Um, <laughs> but I think that one of the kind of signaling things that the left does very well is they'll often talk about um, packages as for infrastructure for healthcare, and other things are embedded within that that aren't about infrastructure or aren't about healthcare. And we see this really, really well here, which is that of the 1.7 trillion dollars. $400 billion of it is allocated to things like helping to care for the elderly and disabled, which is a noble, it's an admirable goal. But the question is, why is that in this infrastructure bill? And if it's the second largest piece of the actual bill itself, why are we calling it an infrastructure bill when a good portion of it, like 30% of it, is dealing with jobs or dealing with you know university research and development? These aren't, these aren't part of an infrastructure bill writ, writ large. This is reminiscent of a lot of uh, the defense spending bills, which we all know are essential and cannot be questioned. But a lot of things seem to find their way into those bills. Well, we'll just throw a few billion here and a few few billion there to cover other things that really have nothing to do with defense spending. And I'm kind of getting that same vibe from from this infrastructure bill. It's very true. It's very true. D- defense spending often has a lot of other kind of goodies embedded. I, I, sometimes it can be like, you know, roads to nowhere or bridges that don't need to be built. Um, and I think we also saw, uh, this is a growing trend in a lot of the bills that were passing. I think a lot of COVID bills, a lot of COVID relief bills had things like um, education policy built into it, which is a concern for conservatives that want to look at um, federal spending on a more, you know, tailored basis. Let's let's talk about infrastructure itself. You mentioned that uh, it, it definitely means something different depending on who's saying it. Is there an agreed upon definition that uh, could could we hold politicians, make them define their terms and say, OK, when we talk about infrastructure, this is what it traditionally means versus a, a more nebulous term that, that's very flexible and malleable? I'm glad that you brought up the word traditional there because there are what what is agreed upon as traditional infrastructure, which is typically what. Uh, bridges, roads, and what's increasingly being encompassed in that is called broadband. So making sure that people have access to the internet, like that's like a broad um, a definition of what was considered to be typical infrastructure or sorry, traditional infrastructure. What is being added in a lot of times are things like research about infrastructure, 
or um, what do we do with um, people that are Re, like, like infrastructure adjacent. So people like in either rural areas or urban areas, they might be considered like adjacent to infrastructure. And that's what's being bundled into this bill that I think um, makes it so much more bloated than it needs to be. Well, and I'm used to politicians being pretty flexible in their words because I don't think they really like to be pinned down. But for instance, when I hear things like the care economy, I'm not sure exactly <laughs> what that means. That could, care, that could mean a lot of stuff. I mean, I I think that uh, many people would consider them part of themselves part of the care economy. Right. Um, these types of jobs are typically people that are um, in nursing homes or caring for um, social workers, people that are caring for the disabled or the elderly in those particular types of, of situations. Uh, hospitals can sometimes be considered care economies. And that's why in this bill we have money for veterans hospitals or environmental sites or electric vehicles. Like all of those could be part of these kinds of like adjacent to infrastructure kinds of jobs. But we don't have broad agreement about that kind of spending. We just don't. We have much more tailored agreement towards what we consider to be traditional infrastructure. Um, this is probably what you know President Trump and a lot of other conservatives would be on board with. I'm generally pretty skeptical of most government spending bills, but that that's me speaking as a taxpayer and you know covering my wallet as I say it. I just don't want them spending money unnecessarily. But having said that, when you mention ports and bridges and, and roads, I have to concede those are things that, that deteriorate over time. They need maintenance. Sometimes they need to be expanded or, or rebuilt. So I can see why, why there is a need for this kind of spending. But uh, I don't know. This, this sure seems like uh, a blank check in many ways for, for a lot of very unrelated things to, to be moved forward. I'm curious how much uh, bipartisanship is, uh, is taking place here. Are the Republicans going along because they want to score political points too for being able to you know, hand out uh, essentially favors? I think that there are certainly things within the Republican proposal which they say is for traditional infrastructure that don't need to be in their proposal. So for instance, their original proposal was something around 500 million and now they've increased that to 1 trillion, which is surprising because you would think that if the infrastructure that we have needs 500 million, that we should stick to 500 million. So there are, there is a certain amount that both parties are at fault here. And I don't think that even some members of the more conservative freedom caucus would disagree with that. I will say that there is some agreement that, um, for instance, like 30 to 40 percent of our bridges are in need of structural repair. I don't think that there's anybody that's in either caucus right now that thinks that we should not be addressing those kinds of issues. The question really becomes how much of a problem is that? And it's also a concern because how much can we trust like the Army Corps of Engineers, which consistently gives America a D or a D minus or an F on its assessments when it's assessing its own ability to get more money. It's assessing its own budget. So there is a lot of, of concern that maybe the information we're having is um, leading to more pork, pork barrel kind of policies. Is there any uh, force out there, be it within government or outside of government special interests that um, could possibly force greater accountability on the part of those politicians who are, are pushing for this, this particular spending bill? I think that keeping the pressure on Congress and keeping pressure on the caucuses within the the 
House and within the Senate, like the like the Freedom Caucus or like uh, more conservative members. Rand Paul does his yearly going up in front of Congress and talking about all the ridiculous ways we've spent money. And while we might not see that like translate always into policy, it does translate into a general skepticism for these kinds of bills, which does help bring down the costs over time because people realize that they have to be accountable to voters at some point. And and Sean, tell us where can people become better informed themselves? I mean, it's it's one thing to expect it of uh, people in elected positions, but um, you know we can't really hold them accountable unless we know what we're talking about as well. What are some of your favorite resources for for knowing you know what's at stake here? Uh, I, I'm obviously a little bit biased. I I am a fellow at National Review, so National Review is a place that I I would say is a good place to look for those kinds of things. The Daily Signal, which is where this was published, is also a good a good place. Um, I would also um, point people towards more like policy or like fiscally um, tilted magazines. The Wall Street Journal is a good moderate kind of um, place to look at those kinds of fiscal things that um, more will have more of that kind of content. Okay. I mean, look, this, the amount of spending we've seen with so – st- I think that those are, those are the places that, that people should look at. With the kind of spending that we've seen here in the last year – and and just a, a a few months, it seems like a lot of a lot of uh, politicians have feel like they have the go ahead to do more spending. Do you see other bills like this on the horizon? And if so, what should we be keeping our eyes out for? The American Jobs Act that's going to be coming down the pipeline is one. bill that includes some of these other proposals. And I think that is a real concern in, in people that freedom love in Americans and also people who just care about um, keeping their, their you know, checkbook in balance should be concerned with any kind of bill that groups so many different kinds of spending policies under the same umbrella, because there is just ripe for waste. It's ripe for fraud. And those kinds of, of policies invariably lead to cost overruns. All right. We have been visiting with Sean Michael Pigeon. He is a contributor for Young Voices. And uh, again, Sean, you mentioned National Review is one place that people can find your work. Uh, the Daily Signal. Uh, any other places where, where they can follow you? Twitter, perhaps? Uh, they can also follow me on Twitter. Uh, it's at um, uh, Pigeon underscore Sean. So it's spelled like the bird pigeon. So Pigeon underscore Sean. That's where you can find me. Okay. Sean, great talking with you. Let's uh, let's connect up again soon. Thank you so much.